Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. If you know anything about the Peterborough chapter of the CCB, you'll know that we're rather an industrious bunch, and one of the projects that we present is this particular show. So if you'd like to know more about the CCB in general, or our Peterborough chapter in particular, just send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Well, this is the first of the month, and as usual, we're going to have a chat with Kim Kilpatrick, who is one of the program coordinators of Get Together with Technology, which is a wing of the CCB. And we're going to chat with her from her office in Ottawa. Well, hi there, Kim. How are you this month? I'm fine. How are you, Devin? I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, before we really get going, congratulations on your new guide dog. Well, thank you. Yes, I just trained with a new guide dog, a female yellow lab named Ginger, who is two years old. Anyway, we're supposed to be talking about smart speakers this month, like the Google Home Mini and the Amazon Echo and the Apple, uh, which I think is a new one. So... uh, Tell us what you can about uh, smart speakers. So first of all, let's see what uh, we'll say what the smart speaker is. So a smart speaker is just a speaker that you get in your house. Um, It has no keyboard attached. It has no screen. Well, a couple of the Amazon ones now have screens, I think, for shopping purposes for people to see things, but mostly they don't. So it's... um, the Google Home Mini, which I think you said you have, Devin, is uh-huh. almost like a, it reminds me of a Boston cream donut. <laughs> like it, it feels about the size of a Boston cream donut from Tim Hortons. So that one is about that size. The Amazon Echo, the small one, um, is about the size of a hockey puck, I would say. It feels oh. kind of like that. It's kind of round like that. And um, they are the cheapest speakers because they're small. But you can get different sizes of the Google Google Home. It's called Google Home. So there's Google Home Mini, Google Home, and Google Home Max. And you can get different sizes of the Echoes. I don't know if they have names. I think they just are Echo or Echo Dot or Echo. I'm not sure. But different sizes for sure of those as well. And Apple came out a few years ago with one called the HomePod. Um, And I don't know if it sold really well. I think it had a really good sound for music, but Uh it didn't do as much as the others did. And it was pretty expensive. But last year they came out with something called the HomePod Mini, which is smaller and cheaper. Um, It's not as cheap, say, as a Google Home Mini, but it's, it's much more in the price range. And so people are starting, some people have bought the HomePods, um, uh, especially if they have a lot of Apple things, uh, they have bought them. Um, So what the speakers do when you get one, you have to use a smartphone to kind of connect it to your Wi-Fi and and get everything set up Mm -hmm. Um, because you can't, it has nothing. It can't input data or, you know, any of that. So you use those things to to set it up 
in, with your Wi-Fi and, and, and all of that. And once it is set up, you talk to it and it has what they call a wake word. Um, so uh, for anyone who has them, I'm sorry if we activate, but uh, for the Googles, it's okay, Google. Um, whoops, we got yours going. <laughs> for no, that was my email, actually. Oh, that was your email. Okay. Yeah. For um, the Amazon speakers, it's Alexa. Uh, so you'd say Alexa, and then you would say, and for the HomePods, it's Siri. Um, like you would say on your phone. Phone, your iPhone yeah. Too. So um, those are the words that tell it to start listening to you. And then you can ask it, what's the weather? And play this radio station or set a timer or set an alarm or, um, you know, what what's in the news about something or some of them play games. You can play games on them. Um, I haven't really played games on them, but so... They are very handy. I know a lot of blind low vision people are using them for various things. Yes. Um, and also, I know a lot of blind low vision people use them in the kitchen for timers and things like that, because your hands are not occupied. So you can say, you know, set the timer for four minutes. It's that, you know, you can even ask the Google one for sure. And maybe the Echo too, because I have a Google mini too. So um, you can ask it for recipes for things and it'll read them out like kind of step-by-step. Step. I've heard that. Yeah. But the problem no. is you can't get back to that recipe again. Like it's almost like if you ask again, you might not get the same one. Oh no. Oh yeah, dear. It said, There's a recipe for chocolate chip cookies. You want that one? And you know, you might <laughs> or might not get the, get the same one, but definitely, um, People use them to play radio, to play um, music, to play uh, podcasts, um, some audio books. Um, the Alexa speakers are connected to Audible because Amazon owns Audible. So if uh -huh. you have an Audible account and you set it up in your in your app, it can play your Audible books on the Alexa. Oh. Uh, the Google speaker does have apparently now a bunch of free books that, that you can play on them from LibriVox, I think, LibriVox. Uh, but definitely asking it for news, asking it for weather, asking it to spell words, asking it for directions to something or where's the nearest coffee shop or where's the nearest pizza place or, you know, you can definitely do that with those speakers. Yeah. Um, the HomePod is using Siri and, and a lot of people say Siri is not as good as the other assistants are. So um but they also don't send, the thing about the HomePod mini is they don't send information out. It's all processed in the device. So if you're feeling worried about security and how much Google knows about you, because technically, you know, when Google's interpreting your answers and your questions and Amazon too, maybe they're compiling a shopping list. Maybe they're trying to figure out what you like or what you want or what you're going to do. Some people are concerned about that. So I think the Apple one is the least likely to send stuff out away ah. from your device. Um, if that's of interest and a concern to you and you already have an iPhone and maybe you have Apple Music or you've got you know, other in things in that ecosystem, perhaps that is a good idea. Um, apparently the sound is very good and everything, but um, I think it's more, uh, it's more what you like or what you think you're gonna do. If you shop a lot on Amazon, it's really dangerous to have an Amazon speaker because you can ask it to order stuff from Amazon and it will find stuff and it will, you know, you know what I mean? So that's a little bit, that's a little bit, 
challenging because oh. yeah you yeah. could just get going on like oh gosh <laughs> could you ever <laughs> yeah um and the google one i think maybe has the best um search engine right like so so i think the google one is really good when it because it, it knows a lot of things so if you're asking it for directions or for this or for that um it knows a lot of things so there's pros and cons to them all now the Amazon speaker is a bit different in that you can find skills, they call it skills for it, but it's almost like apps or things um, on your on your phone that you can ask Amazon to, to have this skill for this. And I find that very confusing actually myself, like I don't own an Amazon speaker, but I find it confusing that you have to decide, oh, if I want it to do this, maybe I have to go find something so it will. Whereas with the Google speaker, it does what it does, you know, it updates yes. when it updates, it does what it does. If you ask it something and it can't do it, like it says it can't, but um, so in a way it's simpler to use, like once it's set up, it's set up and you're just using it. So um, I don't know. I mean, I have a Google speaker too. So I guess like maybe that's why I feel it's a bit easier. Yeah. Do you have just the one? I do. I'm not, I don't use it at a lot like I do use it but a lot of times I turn the mic off unless I really want it because I don't know I just feel why should I talk to this thing or I, I just don't yeah I don't use it as much as um other people I'll tell you a funny story I was doing a scripture reading uh for uh, church one Sunday a number of months ago and I had the mic on uh, I never thought about that, you know. I just uh, carried on, and and uh, it, it kept saying to me, "I don't understand. I don't understand." <laughs> and Whoa. of course, everybody could hear it, it talk to me and saying, "I don't understand." <laughs> right in the middle of the reading. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you must have said something that sounded like Google, I guess. I uh, yeah, I'm, I must have. Like, because yeah. sometimes there are words that, that sound kind of like, like Siri or like Google or, you know, one of those. Yes. Things, and it ends up activating it. Right. So it says, oh, I don't know what you're talking, you know, and you, yeah. I didn't call you. <laughs> but then sometimes you call it and it doesn't answer you when you actually do call it. You know, it doesn't answer you. I know. Yes. Um, yeah, I've, I've worried a little bit about. I think uh, it has must have something to do with the internet connection just at that particular moment, because occasionally it will say to me, if something went wrong, try again in a few seconds. Yeah, I think that, yeah, because it says that to me too. And I'm not sure. I mean, I've heard two things. I've heard that sometimes it is related to the um... internet to the internet, but it also, someone said it could also be related to the survey, uh, to the servers that they have. Oh, yes. So yes. especially since COVID, like someone said, since COVID, it does that a lot more. And whether that's because more people are on the internet and so, but also the servers, like maybe more people are asking it questions and it needs to wait, you know, until the, that their servers are clear. So I never thought of that. I thought it would always be the internet, but sometimes some people say it could be the Google servers or the Amazon servers or whoever's right. whatever server they're using for 
um, for the getting the information to you. Yes. Could be jammed with people too. Yeah. Because um, someone said it's like that a lot, say on Christmas or ah. holidays where people are, are maybe have a new one and are asking it a whole bunch of stuff and then, you know, things like that. Or someone said on like a big game day, like, like great Super Cup Bowl, or Super Bowl. Or, game yeah. Or, or that there might be some. So I, I hadn't thought of that, but apparently um, I, that's what someone did say that it could mm-hmm. be your internet, but it could also be their side. So yes, one or the other, but usually if you ask it in a few minutes, it, it does. Yes, it does. It does come back to tell you things. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting to figure out how to ask it though, because sometimes I'll ask a question and it tells me something totally unrelated to what I want. I know. <laughs> so I wonder sometimes, how do I best phrase the question? I guess the simplest way possible. But um, you are mentioning that sometimes it won't play certain stations like AMI audio or whatever. Yeah. Most of the, if I'm lucky, and, and it's only ever happened to me twice, it will play it. But most of the time, it will not do it. And I don't know why. And, and, you know, I wrote to uh, AMI's feedback and asked, and I still haven't heard back. So I, I don't know what the situation is. Well, sometimes I think the radio, like tuner surveys, because for a while, um, I remember for a while when we would ask it to play CBC Radio 1 Ottawa, right? Uh-huh. Say, we want a CBC Radio 1 Ottawa. It would play CBC Radio 1, but only Toronto. Like it wouldn't play it yes. for the longest time. And then I would say the call number and sometimes it would do it and sometimes it wouldn't. And then after a while, it seemed to fix itself. Um, so again, there's kind of a database where it finds the stations and perhaps AMI audio is like missing from that or has, has slipped Maybe. from that. Yeah. Um, Cause I've, because I've noticed that's happened to me too, where I couldn't, but can you play it on other things like on the stream or? Uh, yes, I can. Yes. Yeah. But I like to have it on most of the day. And what I do now is I have it on my television, yeah. which kind of irritates me because I shouldn't have to. And I suppose I could put it on my computer, but when I'm working on my computer, I want to hear Jaws, what Jaws is saying. Uh, you know, I don't need it so close together that I can't really hear what one is saying and the other, because the other drowns it out, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I would ask again, maybe if other people are having this problem, because um, I haven't tried it recently. I'll have to try it today after a call and see what what happens okay yeah but um you know because it that's the thing sometimes whatever you ask and even if you think you're asking the most basic question yes um, you you ask it and it seems right and all of a sudden nothing seems right you know like it's like oh Oh. I can't understand you and you're thinking what are you talking about you know yes yeah now, when you ask it to play a podcast, do you say play a podcast called da 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 da? Or do you just say play Insight Peterborough? Uh, I would say play Insight 
Peterborough podcast, I think. I ah. would, like, I think I would say that. Um, okay. Just because then it looks for it in that database, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think I would. I think I would say play Insight Peterborough podcast. And then it would say, you know, it's playing episode, whatever. And if you want the previous, you could say play previous episode. Like you can go back, you know, to other episodes if if you don't like. I mean, if you if you already heard that one or you want to yes. hear another one. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. I tend to do it on my phone, though, I, like I because I have a podcatcher that I like. So I tend to use that. But I know a lot of people use it for podcasts. A lot of people use it for music, radio um, stations. Yeah. Now, if you are using it for radio, any of the smart speakers or any of the Internet radio, it's going to be a little bit off from your real radio. <laughs> so Yeah, it is. I noticed yeah. that with the CBC. Yeah, so it'll be a little bit off. And sometimes it says buffering and then it stops for a minute and then it comes back, which I don't really like, especially it often happens to me when I'm in the middle of something I really am interested in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like buffer, yeah. buffer. Um, but they are really handy and they are really like, easy to use and easy to set up. And even my mom, who was really against them, my mom is, you know, in her 80s. And during COVID, she said, I want something to talk to. You know, she was so she got a bigger Google one, like quite big. And she likes playing music on it. And she likes um, asking. It's, it's You can set up like a morning routine. She'd say good morning. Like it would play this news. It would tell you the weather and you can pick sort of what you want in that routine. So like yes. she would put you know, CBC news, CTV news and sports, and then the weather or something. And when yeah. you say good morning, it says, you know, then it tells you that all of that. And she likes that a lot. And she yeah. likes uh, setting timers, um, um, setting alarms, you know, for something, especially, but timers, especially in the kitchen, you know, it's handy yes. to say set the timer. And so she is really enjoying it. Like after saying, oh, I'll never get one of those things, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people, they find them easy to use. And I I will use it for spelling sometimes. Like I'll be on my computer and I'll think, yes. how do you spell that word? I've done that too. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and it tells you right away. And, a, and you'll say, what what what's the definition of that or something? And it will tell you. And so um, I've used it for that a lot. Uh -huh. Like you know, not a lot, but right, you know, fairly often I will. And I'll ask what the weather is right now. Is it raining or, you know, different things. And I think yeah. they're trying to make it more and more intuitive all the time, like almost to the point, I guess, of the Star Trek computers or something, right. eventually, where you'll say, <laughs> look up this for me and tell me, you know, whatever, something. And, you know, I don't know if it'll get to that place, but the intelligence of them is pretty amazing, really. Yes. When you think about it. I use it uh, uh, fairly often to decide uh, who I'm going to interview on Insight Peterborough. I'll say what awareness days and weeks are in the month of October. Oh, and it'll give me ideas, you know. That's great to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Because yeah. it, it is a like the Google one will give you lots of information because it has lots of information when you think of all the data they have based on all the searches that people do and the and the results they give you in the searches and actually i i don't like google search on my computer as much anymore because uh -huh. there's all the ads and there's this and that oh it I know. to be when you do a google search you just get the results 
Yes. And on the speaker, you just get the results, actually. Yes. You, you don't get, um, you know, all kinds of stuff that you don't want. Yeah. Um, so if you do want a lot of information, the Google one is probably, I think, the best because it's really giving you that. You know? Yes. But then I don't have the echo, so I, I can't right. tell you that. But but I would say, um, but it is worth, and often they'll go on sale. Sometimes they'll go on sale around Black Friday. Sometimes they'll go on sale around Christmas. Oh, yeah. Movies, you know, could be around $30 or $40 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're too much more than that anyway. I don't know no. right now. Um, and some people get more than one. Some people get one and put it in their bedroom and wake them up or whatever. And then they have another one in the kitchen or wherever they want. Um, I've been thinking of getting another one from my bedroom. And I wondered whether I should get another kind just so that I have. Well, if you wanted to get another kind, then you would see what you liked it for. But if you, there's pros and cons, right? You could try two kinds and then you would say, oh, well, I like this for this and that's great. I'll do that. Um, The the Amazon speakers can be a Bluetooth speaker. I don't think that the Google one can, unless I'm wrong about that, unless it's changed. Originally, you couldn't make it a Bluetooth speaker. Okay. But you could make the Amazon one a Bluetooth speaker, but maybe you, no, I think my mom, I think we did Bluetooth her phone to it because it's a big speaker. So she sort of wanted her phone. I think we were able to. So that's the other thing that sometimes you can um, make it like a Bluetooth speaker for your phone. If you want that. Um, Right. And also these apps can be on your phone. So if you don't want a smart speaker, um, but you have, say, say you have an iPhone, you can have the, you look for Google Assistant in the App Store, and it's just like the Google speaker on your phone. That's what it is. Ah, you know? okay. So yeah. some people say, well, I'm just going to put it on my phone. I don't need a speaker in my, you know, house, whatever. Right. And the same with the Amazon. Um, <laughs> like if you look for that, I think you can put it on your phone and, and make it be, you know, oh. Okay. speaker on your phone but uh, yes and of course Siri's already on your phone or if you have an Android phone you already have the Google Assistant on your phone so that's what it you will have and in a way it is better than Siri in terms of what it knows I think it knows more than Siri does Um, so again I guess it just depends and if you have a Google account you can tell it to set an um calendar event or a reminder or something in your Google account, it will do that. And then it should sync to your, you know, computer and those things. Yeah. Do that that much, but a lot of people do it a lot, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you use your phone mostly for your calendar? I do. I'll ask, you know, Siri to put it in or I, 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 yeah. I put it in I myself, or from an email, like you can click on the double tap on the 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 date you know it says event and it'll start to put it into a calendar so I mostly Uh, do that yeah I mostly use my phone for that yeah interesting yeah well thank you very much Kim for uh, chatting with us about this welcome October is medication safety awareness for the blind month and it's really important to be aware of the medications, of course, that you're taking and uh, when you're taking them. 
I have a uh, blood pressure medication and also a Celebrex that, and the, the capsules look very, very similar. And it would be easy to uh, confuse them if I didn't have them in two separate spots in my uh, little basket that I have on my table. But there is a device. It's also, it can be a device or an app um, called Script Talk that um, people who are blind, deafblind, or partially sighted should be aware of. And I chatted with Jenna Reed, who is the communications manager at Envision America, and she spoke to us from her office in Palmetto, Florida. Hi, Jenna, and welcome back to the program. Hi, Devin. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. So, first of all, is um, Medication Safety Awareness Month, is that September or October? It's October. It's actually all year long we ask that the advocates, you know, continue spreading the word. But technically it is October. Well, that's good. Have you heard of lots of um, incidents where um, blind people have taken, have chosen the wrong bottle or, or you know, not uh, taken their medications correctly? Um, we've heard from our customers and our patients quite a bit that that's definitely a serious issue. I know personally I've talked to one gentleman. He Thankfully, he didn't get sick or anything like that. But before he found Script Talk, he was keeping his medications. He was on multiple bottles. And he was keeping them in, like, a toolbox with the multiple drawers like you would see. And he was memorizing which drawer each medication was in. So it's just a challenge. It is a challenge. Yeah. Yes. And those blister packs aren't the greatest either, I find, because the smaller pills can get stuck in the folds of the blister packs. So I, I uh, prefer to have them in their own bottles. So how does uh, Script Talk work? How, do, how does that, uh, uh, if you can talk about it or demonstrate it, whatever you choose? Sure. Well, Script Talk is pretty awesome. I'm biased, of course, but I love it. <laughs> um, it's in thousands of pharmacies throughout Canada and the United States. Um, we're in Walmart, some Sobeys. Oh, goodness, I don't have the list, but chances are we're in a pharmacy near you. If we're not or you can't find one, you can always visit um, EnvisionAmerica.com and enter in your zip code in the Find a Pharmacy um, application on it, and we'll find one near you or give us a call at 1-800-890-1180, and we'll set you up with one near you as well. Okay. Not to the nitty-gritty, and it's my favorite part of it. So basically what the pharmacist does is, you know, we don't have, we at Envision don't have any access to your medication information. It all stays with your pharmacy. We just give them the tools to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So 
what it is is the little round circular um, electronic tag that the pharmacist programs your medication label information into, and it covers everything from your doctor's name to the medication to the dosage requirements, the instructions and the warnings. Everything is accessible now. So they're going to put that on that little electronic tag, and typically they're going to put it on the bottom. The pharmacist will put it on the bottom of your bottle. Okay. You can kind of feel it once it's on there. And I have a script talk in front of me. Let's ah. see. Let me crank it up real quick. The uh, device itself is, think of an old school CD player um, or a portable one, I should clarify. It's flat, it's circular, and it's got some simple buttons on it. It's got um, a little wheel. The newer version has a little wheel on the side of it that you just twist to turn it on. Uh-huh. I've got it cranked up, so hopefully you can hear it okay. Rooftop station ready. Yeah. And then on the bottom center of it are three buttons. The two triangle buttons allow you to jump through all that information, the medical information. So if you just want something, you know, particular, you can jump right to that bit of information. Like you want the phone number, refill a prescription, they're going to give it to you. So I'm going to set the bottle with the bottom down just in the center of the top of the machine, and I'm going to hit a circular read button. Android, you have to, it's going to encourage you to enable 
near-field communication, NFC, and your device, and I already have that set up. For the iPhone, you don't need to do it. I think you just have to have, like, a version 7 iPhone or higher, and it should have it already set up for you. And for the, the iPhone, you're going to hold it up to the top left of your screen. So this is just a great, you know, on the go, or if you're happy with your cell phone, that, you know, you don't actually need the device. You can just do it all on your cell. Yeah, that will be great if if you have to take several medications a day then you could have the bottles and the phone with you. Yeah, definitely. And we do provide both the device itself for those who would prefer that, who aren't as comfortable with their cell phone or their smartphone. Um, that's provided by us for free for however long you need it. The only thing that we ask is when you're done using it, if you send it back to us so that we have it on hand for the next patient that might need it. Right. And does the device uh, plug in, or, or, or is it totally battery-operated? It is battery-operated. It has three batteries in it, but you can also plug it in. It's got, um, oh, goodness, USB, I think. I'm sorry. I don't know the technical term for it. It's got a little outlet on the side of it. USB, yeah. More often than not, people on the newer device go off the batteries. Yes, Yes, I think that would be easier, too. Yeah, that, besides, it's better for the batteries to get used. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want them sitting in there too long. No, that's right. Um, and there is a jack for your audio, so if you have headphones and, you you know, say you're sharing a hotel room with someone or you're out and about and you need to take it while you're eating lunch or whatever, you can always stick your uh, headphones in there real quick and have some real privacy when you're listening to your meds. Right. Okay. That sounds great. And um, so if you got, if you wanted the device, it would take a few days to get from Florida to wherever, right? Um, yeah, we should get it to you. Basically, either you talk to your pharmacist um, and they get you set up, or you can call us directly and the pharmacist will provide us with your mailing information, and it should arrive at your front door within seven days. Ah, okay. Uh-huh. That's terrific. Mm-hmm. And where should people, um, where, where, what website or where should people go uh, if they want to uh, order a, a device? Would, would the customer order it or would the pharmacist? The pharmacist is the one that actually provides us with the patient's information. So what you do is you contact us at 1-800-890-1180, or you can visit our website. It's envisionamerica.com, E-N-V-I-S-I-O-N-A-M-E-R-I-C-A.com. Uh-huh. And you can click, you know, contact us or give us a call. And we'll make sure that your local pharmacy, you know, knows you're interested. They're going to, um, we'll work with them if they're not already set up. Most of them are, but if they're not already set up, we'll do everything we can to get them set up. And then they're the ones that will actually fill out a small short form that gives us your mailing address. So once we get that from them, we'll go ahead and ship out your unit and make sure you get it. Okay. That's terrific. Good. And is there anything else that um, that I should be asking you that I haven't? 
Um, one one thing that is really important to say, that we touched on it in the beginning, is I believe there's like 12 million individuals throughout the United States and Canada that have a visual impairment. You know, uh-huh. it's it, it's a common issue. However, not a lot of people know that these accessible prescription labels are available. And that's one of the reasons that we really try to get patients who use them and other people involved just to kind of spread the word. Yes. So that's why we encourage people. You can reach out to us with the phone number I gave. Um, We have a YouTube video up. If you look for Envision America on YouTube, you'll see our medication safety awareness for the blind video. It explains it all. But basically... All we're asking is that you, you know, share information about these, and they're free. There's no cost to patients for them. Um, to your friends, your family, you know, reach out to us. We'll help you write a press release you can send to your local media. Um, I know right now with COVID, we're not doing a lot of in-person events. Some of them are doing them on Zoom or Teams, but you can even do a quick demonstration, you know, for yeah. folks just to show them how easy it is to work. And if you don't already have a device, you can give us a call, and we'll get you an RFID, one of those electronic tags that I was mentioning. We'll get you one in the mail, and you can always use your your phone to show people how easy it is that this works. Because, you know, this is the key way of spreading this information and getting it into the hands of people who need it. That would really be good for... Um, maybe seniors uh, living in a long-term care um, uh, situation, although I suppose they have nurses who will tell them when it's time to take their medication and which bottle is which. But, yeah, it, it, or, or definitely um, people living alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, I will definitely... Um, do some spreading of the word here. Uh, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, in my general area, I will do that. And uh, I also um, have a couple of podcasts, so we'll make sure that it gets there. Awesome. We appreciate it. So thank you. All about independence and safety, you know. Definitely. Um, I'm not visually impaired myself, but I have some friends, and, you know, I'm just a very strong ally. So, you know, this company was founded by David Restrick, and he had um, visual impairment in his family. Um, So it was based on a need that we saw out there, and that's something that has evolved over the years. Yes. You know, we're really dedicated to helping. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Envision America has other products as well, don't they? We do. We have a whole line of accessible prescription labels. Script Talk is our flagship. It's the most popular. But we also offer large print, which is up to 22-point font. And what it is is it's a booklet that's securely attached to that prescription bottle. So, I mean, goodness, I know I go to the pharmacist and they hand me these leaflets. And by the time I get home, you know, I've got the medication out. I don't even know where the leaflets are probably still in my car. I don't know where they are. Yeah. But this is attached to the bottle so that, you know, anytime you need a quick reference, you can look at it. Um, we also have a Braille. It's a contracted grade 2 Braille. 
And that's more of a cheat sheet. Just kind of reminds you what's on the prescription. I know a lot of people use that in addition to script talk to hear the full information. And then something new that we've been um, we've been offering is translation. It's dual language translation, and that is comes in two different ways. First way is it comes in a booklet form that's attached, and it features English and the second language. And then also for individuals who might not speak English fluently or it's their second language, but say they have a visual impairment mm -hmm. or something, you know, that they, they're not very good at reading English yet, they can get a script talk device. They have to specify to their pharmacist, you know, that Spanish or we do 25 languages. Ah. It's not just Spanish. So, yeah, it's Chinese. Oh, goodness. I don't have the whole list in front of me, but I can actually pull it up. But it's 25 different languages. And as long as they ask for it through the pharmacist, the pharmacist will ensure that they get the script doc device and the actual little electronic tag programmed in that language. Okay. Then they can now access all their information out loud. Terrific. Would French, um, that's the other official language here in Canada. Uh, which, yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. Yes, French is most definitely available. Okay. <laughs> Terrific. Good question, Devin. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's terrific. Uh, it's nice to hear what's available. And thank you so much for doing this with us. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you, Devin. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Jenna. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye for now. One of the programs offered by CNIB across Canada is peer support. Caitlin Bruce is the program lead for Eastern Ontario, and I chatted with her about that. Hi there, Caitlin, and welcome to the program. Thanks, Devin. So happy to be here with you. So when was it that CNIB uh, began to offer peer support as a, a program? So I can speak to being here since 2017, but I know that peer support as a program has been an ongoing program for quite some time. It's actually one of the older programs um, that we've run historically at the CNIB. And when it comes to running the program, um, who uh, in the individual cities, who, who does that? So for the peer support programs, myself as a program lead works with uh, many of our wonderful volunteers across Ontario East to uh, organize and facilitate the programs. So really a lot of the background work and setting up the program is done by myself and then the hands-on work, joining into the sessions and facilitating, connecting with the participants is our volunteers. Our volunteers are located in a variety of different cities across Ontario East from Peterborough, Kingston, all the way to Ottawa. Okay. Uh, is any topic 
sort of up for grabs as far as uh, um, weekly sessions are concerned, or is there some organization? Yeah, so the peer support programs are kind of structured in that each week builds upon the next. So generally the programs offered once a week for about an hour for a total of six to seven weeks. Um, to give you an example, some of the themes that we talk about during the sessions include the first session, getting to know each other, getting to know the volunteers running the program and getting to know what to expect over the upcoming weeks. People are also able to share about challenges, barriers, successes that they've experienced as they're adjusting to their vision loss. And we also talk a lot about uh, living independently. So what daily tips and tricks can be helpful to each person in their everyday life. Um, we talk about things like orientation and mobility, how to get out and about, how to successfully navigate safely, you know, for someone who's new to uh, sight loss, maybe what the different types of canes are and their purposes. Sometimes we talk about guide dogs and their role as well. We talk a lot about different devices. Sometimes we also talk about technology, but really um, the program is structured, but it also has the opportunity and ability to be flexible to kind of um, address things that come up that might be relevant to the group. And uh, how long is, uh, like how many weeks does each uh, session take? That's a great question. So for the peer support sessions, depending on where they're um, based, generally we have uh, a total of once a week for about six to seven weeks maximum. Is there anything afterwards that can happen or, or are participants sort of sprung loose after that um, or is there anybody that they can go back to and say, what did you say about such and such? So that's a great question. So near the end of the session, we always like to talk about what other resources are available and what other programs people can get involved with in the CNIB or their local communities. Um, some communities have um, Canadian Council for the Blind groups. Um, sometimes they do recreational activities or opportunities. And then, of course, the CNIB has a lot of different virtual programs that people can join in from anywhere. So regardless of where they're located, they can join in and participate, whether it be other peer support programs, recreation and leisure type programs, um, or the Vision Mate program. So there's a lot of different opportunities. We try to leave people with those resources and that information about all of those programs so that they can go from there and know that those programs exist. And then if they'd like to participate, they can initiate that. Have you noticed that there, that you've had to change the, the program a lot since the beginning of the pandemic? Yes, we have. So 
Before the pandemic, our programs generally would take place in person. It would take quite some time to build up enough uh, participants to get a small group together in a physical location. We know that um, getting out and about to a physical location is sometimes difficult, especially for those who are living with sight loss. Maybe they don't have transportation in their area or live near transportation, or maybe they don't yet have those skills um, because maybe they are in the beginning stages of adjusting to their vision loss. So we kind of really quickly change the way that we do things. We offer the program virtually now. It actually enables us to connect people to the program quicker. And it's not reliant on people living in a certain area. So now anyone from Ontario East who is newly adjusting to sight loss is able to get connected and join in to one of our peer support groups if they would like. We have actually run more peer support groups during the pandemic than I have run prior to the pandemic. So it's had a lot of successes, although, you know, I can appreciate myself as well as some of our participants. They always identify that it's not quite the same as that in-person sitting around that table with other people really having that great conversation. Um, it does offer people the ability to join into the programs and learn about the resources in a more timely manner. And for some people who might be more reserved or not sure about joining in, it's, uh, I think, more of a subtle way to join in and still get that information and find out about what's out there and those everyday tips and tricks and just know that people aren't alone. And regardless of whether the uh, facilitator is in the same city as the participant, I would imagine um, that through their uh, connection through the, the CNIB, they can find out what resources are actually available in their city. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So now if someone... Um, well, because this is Insight Peterborough. So if, if someone here in Peterborough is listening to this and wondering, okay, maybe that's what I need, how do they go about getting involved? So there's a few ways that people can go about getting involved. Um, one would be to connect with myself and I can be reached at our 1-800 number, which is 1-800-563-2642. And if you ask to speak with myself, Caitlin Bruce, another way to get more information would be to go on to our website at www.cnib.ca and check out our list of virtual program offerings. Um, Alternatively, if email is a better route, people can email me if they're interested in learning more about or signing up for one of the peer support groups at Caitlin, C-A-I-T-L-I-N, period, Bruce, B-R-U-C-E, at cnib.ca. Okay, so uh, you're quite accessible 
and uh, regardless of what medium people choose to to reach you uh, and and then you will get them in touch with with uh, whoever is uh, facilitating yes that's correct okay and I and I just wanted to add as well, you know, we, we try to accommodate and be accessible as possible. So if someone is, you know, newly experiencing or adjusting to their sight loss and they're looking to join into one of the peer support groups, even if you do not use technology or you're not comfortable in using technology, for example, you know, we live on Zoom these days, mm-hmm. um, we are able to call people in to the group. So no matter what level of technology, if people use technology or not, they can join into our uh, peer support groups by landline telephone, a cell phone, or their computer using Zoom. So we like to keep all options open for everyone. And I also wanted to mention that people often think, you know, I'm not um, blind enough, or I don't have enough vision loss to join into a peer support group. Um, people often say, you know, I still have some vision. Nine people out of 10 that come through the doors at CNIB have some level of remaining vision. Mm -hmm. Um, so if it is impacting your everyday life and you're looking for, you know, supports to connect with others and, learn from others who have been there, done that. The peer support group is a great way to learn about those tips and tricks that may just help in those everyday life um, settings or situations that come up to make things just a little bit easier. Yeah, because even some loss is still a loss and requires some kind of adjustment, doesn't it? Yes, and everyone, uh, you know, adjusts or adapts to their loss of vision on their own time and in their own way, right? So some Mm. seem to be able to pick up and adapt to that very quickly. For others, it might take more time. Or you know what, maybe someone is not comfortable using technology, so it might take them a little bit longer to look at what options are there that are more low tech that might work for them and figure out what devices can help them in their day-to-day life. Even down to the point of uh, uh, contrasting colors or, or something like that, a different type of using a different type of plate or, or whatever. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. Yes, those everyday little things do make a a huge difference. Devin, like you mentioned, you know, contrast is really, can really play a big role in um, making the most out of someone's remaining vision. So for Mm -hmm. example, you know, if you're cutting something in the kitchen and say, for instance, you want to cut an onion, maybe you're going to use a dark colored cutting board because that onion is white. So to be able to tell um, and contrast the colors, um, you wouldn't want to use a white cutting board to cut the onion because then there would be no contrast or simple things like, you know, some people prefer 
white text on a black background because it reduces the glare and enables them to see better. Some people prefer yellow on black. There's so many different uh, little tips and tricks. You know, you might meet someone who really needs a lot of light to maximize their remaining amount of vision. And then you might meet someone else who needs to have less light um, in order to maximize their vision. So it's quite interesting and it's really neat to see how just little adaptations in your environment can make a difference. All right, that's terrific. Is there anything else I should be asking you about, uh, Caitlin? I just wanna say that the CNIB since the pandemic has a ton of virtual program offerings. There is a lot of programs that are not necessarily tied to joining in specifically to programs offered where you might live. So, you know, anyone can join into a program taking place anywhere. So for example, you know what, if you live in, in Peterborough and there's this really interesting um, coffee chat that's taking place, but it's hosted by the CNIB in British Columbia, that is an opportunity to get involved. So I'd really um, encourage everyone that if you're looking to connect with others in the sight loss community, in your own little community, or across Canada, feel free to check out the virtual programs. We have more programs than we've ever had before. Yeah. I remember when the uh, pandemic first hit, I found out about a, a ukulele a group being conducted by people out in BC. And I felt a little funny at first about uh, joining because, uh, well, you know, here I am in Peterborough, but uh, no, I learned a whole lot more about my ukulele. So I'm, uh, I'm glad that I did that and I was made to feel very welcome. So by all means, uh, if uh, something strikes your fancy that you happen to see, uh, go for it. Absolutely. Right now we have a uh, piano lesson that takes place every Monday evening with an amazing volunteer who is a fantastic or I should say phenomenal uh, piano player. And so it's really neat, the scope and variety of the programs that we're able to offer. And uh, like we mentioned virtually, it really reduces those additional barriers to people being able to join because they don't have to worry about transportation, but they also don't have to worry about um, geography limitations or borders as well. Or long distance calls. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Caitlin, for coming on and uh, chatting with us about that. And um, there is uh, likely to be a, a peer support uh, group starting up um, shortly. So um, use one of those avenues of communication to get hold of Caitlin and uh, she'll uh, uh, send you in the right direction. So thank you, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me, Devin. It's been a pleasure. And that will just about do it for this edition of Insight Peterborough. 
Thank you so much for listening, and I do hope that you will join me next week. Take good care of yourself, and talk soon. Bye for now.